Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have a very special panelist, uh, Tyrone Sims II. He is a U.S. Army combat veteran, businessman, political leader, and a graduate of West Point, which I can see probably displayed on his uh, shirt. <laughs> but uh, what a career. Uh, it sounds like you've had in, you know, really in-depth experiences. And today you, I know you're going to be discussing something never again. I was there on January 6th. We are Veterans United to defend our Constitution. What a fundamental uh, statement that you are making. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences on that day and what was going through your mind uh, being so uh, so much of a patriot of this country? Yeah, sir, uh, thanks for the question. And uh, I, I, do, I do have to say I do like uh, having conversations with veterans of my dad's generation. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, my choosing to go down to the Capitol that day really began with Charlottesville, okay. right? What happened back in 2017. And a lot of people don't know this, uh, but people who know me don't know this. I got a phone call that Friday night of Charlottesville. You know, it, it, yeah, the Friday night incident and, and the, the, the riots or the fighting that happened on sat- that Saturday. Yeah. And that Friday evening, um, the Klan, white nationalists, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call these people, right? Um, they discovered that there was, gonna, that there was a, a prayer vigil occurring at a, at a, at a synagogue, um, multi-religious, right? So Muslims, Jews, Christians, and whomever else. Uh, a lot of the faith leaders were at this synagogue. And there were some politicians there and some political candidates as well. But it was solely for the purpose of, you know, coming together, praying, because they knew that Saturday was going to occur. And when those white nationalists showed up um, and barricaded those people in that synagogue, a friend of mine who was in there called me mm. and just to let, I don't, you know, I don't know what moved him to call me. Um, I, I can imagine he didn't call a hundred people, but he called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a Marine. He's a combat vet that, you know, he, he was in the, um, he, he was in the, uh, in the Sunni triangle, you know, so he knows, you know, he, he's the real deal. Yeah. But, and it wasn't that he was scared, but there were other people there too who didn't really know what was going on or what could happen, right? Like the the very worst. And I was mad at myself that I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't own a car at the time. So even if I had a car, I'm thinking myself, okay, Charlottesville, two-hour drive for me. Even if I get there, by the time I'm I'm there, um, the incident is probably over, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then Saturday happened. And I'm watching on the news like everybody else. And the mayor of Charlottesville is one of my closest friends. And I'm watching all this go down. And um, I see the young lady get killed live like the rest of us did. And I'm like, I should have been there. 
Like, mm-hmm. not that my presence there would have, you know, created this great peace, but mm-hmm. there were people I cared about who I know were there. Yes. And mm-hmm. there was the sense of regret of not being at the right place at that time. And so we fast forward to, to the 6th of January, or, you know, at least to the days leading up to that day. I said to myself, I knew that this was going to be a historic day for all the wrong reasons, but historic nonetheless. And I had this inkling that if something went down and there were regular people who needed help, I just felt like crap if I'd have been at home and not been out there to help those people. Um, And so those two reasons was why I, I, I chose to go. Um, mm-hmm. left the house a little later than I I wanted to. Um, wife was confused as, as to why I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know the right way to explain it to her, and then I, I like I just I gotta be there. Yeah, you know, well that's that's the heart of a veteran, right? That's the heart of the courage and the honor that you carry. And I remember, you know, back in nine eleven, people were saying, you know, I wish I was on that plane. I was, wish I was on one of those planes that went into the Trade Center or into the, um, you know, into the Pentagon or into the field in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always remember is that, you know, that we are uh, sheepdogs, right? So we, mm-hmm. uh, we protect the sheep. And uh, so a sheepdog runs into battle, doesn't run away from it. So whereas people are running away from an incident, you always see the veterans running towards, you know, the line of fire and who, you know, to try to stop and quell it. So, right. um, but, but, you know, one of the things is by your patriotism and what you have do- done in your whole life, you have always been supporting that ideal. And by getting in your car and going at that three demonstrates the commitment to fighting against something like that. And, you know, so I, th- I think you were already there in spirit. And that's something that, you know, people need to uh, recognize that every veteran in this country, if they really are true to their oath and defending the Constitution and, uh, you know, their oath of what they took for, you know, joining the military, they were on Mm -hmm. the right side of the line. They were trying to make sure that people were not harmed. Uh, You know, to have our capital besieged, you know, something that really uh, hadn't happened uh, since, you know, the 1800s, you know, I, I just... Look at that and say we. Um, this this was really a test, a test of how we, be- how much we believe in this Constitution. So I'm glad we still have people like you, <laughs> who are you know there and willing to join the fight and to get into uh, making a stand against something like that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So you know, so what, so what are your reflections on the whole day? What what do you think this whole thing meant? And you know, where do we go from here? Because we we really want a united country. Um, you know, uh, as part of this show, we always come across as being a nonpartisan show. We don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, uh, you know, oh, right. alienate anybody. But anyone who is wearing uh, uh, the pin of a person that's a congressional member, anyone who is uh, taking public office should be defending this country, should be defending right. the institution. Without that institution, where else do we go? That was one of the things when I was a combat veteran in Iraq, so I did a, a, a couple of tours there in Iraq and then some other places. But when I was there, one question I had for al-Qaeda was, so you take down this government, what are you going to replace it with? And there was right. never any answer. 
So what would be the replacement for the kind of system that we've built over hundreds of years? I don't know what that would be. (laughs) (laughs) No. I think these people want total chaos. You know, they they have this altruistic idea. Here's a good example. You you were in Iraq. So I was there in 0304, OIF1. Oh, yeah. This is a perfect example. So we were, my civil affairs team and I were, going across one of the bridges to get to the green zone. It was one of the bridges that was, um, I forget the name of it, but came from, from downtown. Right. So once you got over the bridge, you turned left and you're into the green zone. And it was bumper to bumper traffic. And, you know, cruising traffic didn't make me feel good. Right. And so we get out of our, we got out of our vehicle and we start playing traffic cops. And because not just to get us moving, right, but because cars were driving in the opposite direction and driving on the sidewalks, yeah. right? And I remember tapping um, the hood of one 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 guy's car. That's it. And I was like making this turnaround motion. Right. I could speak a little Arabic, but I didn't know the Arabic word for turnaround. Right. So I'm right. doing this. Like, and he's looking at me like this, and he says, "Freedom, freedom." <laughs> we're free. We're free. I said, no, like this isn't freedom, right? <laughs> to, to the Iraqis, being able to drive on the sidewalk to get to where they needed to go because someone was in their way was freedom. <laughs> and those people who stormed the Capitol, in their minds, that's what freedom is also. In their minds, freedom is I can do whatever I want, no matter who said it. <laughs> the authorities don't have any authority over me. They just have to agree with me because I'm an American and I'm free. Yes. And right. And, and, and for them, they only believe in laws that um, enable them. That's right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's like you, you, know, you, you can't do that in the name of democracy. Right. <laughs> no. That, that is not uh, what you do. And to storm into the Capitol uh, those were domestic terrorists. It, it's just plain and simple. Um, if yeah. anyone else was there, if we had Russians do that, we would have shot them, right? If we had <laughs> people who came in from, uh, you know, North Korea, it, you know, it would have been a, a done day, right? There's black uh, people. Right. There's black people would have been up there. Yes. They all would have been down. All done. Yes. No one would have no felt sorry for them. That's right. And that, and that, that is a tragic comment, you know, on commentary on how we're actually looking at things. And uh, for people to think that this is the, you know, the America that that Constitution was supposed to be building is really sad. Uh, I think they need to stop, uh, read past the Second Amendment and maybe get to the third, fourth and fifth and catch up with the rest of the Constitution and realize why yeah. it was written the way it was. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so what what do you think uh, we can be doing, you know, to, you know, quell that um, that angst in people? Because a lot of it is that you have people who are there uh, that will follow leaders. Because I, you know, I, I studied history, and you know, uh, you know, if you start looking at Mussolini and Hitler, and you know, um, and you start looking at Lenin, and you start looking at these dictatorial leaders, they always had mm-hmm. that power over people to make you see something that's not really there, uh, to, right. you know, to suck people in. And with this social media craze that's going on, you know, even, you know, with the COVID-19 vaccinations, this media that's out there that's just like absolutely 
bonkers like crazy, right, <laughs> what people are saying. So we have to really listen to authoritative sources. So wh- what do you think that we can do as veterans? Uh, what can the government do to really get back to teaching people the truth, uh, you know, in schools, in society, you know, a campaign to say, let's start, set the record straight. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I see systemic things that need fixing that mm-hmm. sadly would take a, uh, an act of Congress. And I have no faith in Congress right now. Um, mm-hmm. I hate saying that publicly, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we need a constitutional convention. Um, these past four years have shown, maybe even five or six years have shown that, and I'll take that back. I, I'd say since 2009, we've realized that there are holes within our procedures that don't force leaders to do what leaders have to do, right? right? So a good example is that, you know, the Constitution simply says, you know, the, the, the House passes a bill, then they give it to the Senate, and the Senate does what they want with it, and then they pass, and they vote on the bill. Right. But the way the rules are written, uh, the the Senate majority leader can let all the bills sit on his desk and do nothing with them. Mm-hmm. So that totally defeats the purpose of, of of that constitutional aspect of writing bills. Right. If you, if, if you write a bill and I'm the Senate leader, I don't like you, you know, like they did with uh, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. then no good legislation gets even voted on or taken to the floor. Um, and so procedures like that have to be changed. The, the rudimentary, you know, they, they were written and I hate saying it, but with an idealistic thought because, um, well, as you know, because only white men who own property were the initial voting population. So they weren't going to do anything to hinder themselves. But as you increase that voting pool, you know, you dilute, say, the number of people who actually care who go and hold these offices. Yes. So now we have we have a collection of elected officials who, uh, as one of my former congressmen, uh, my only former congressman stated, they just don't want to, they don't want to govern and don't want to learn how to govern, right? They just want to make noise. So hmm. those institutions have to be changed so that even if someone of that mindset is elected to office, they are still forced to do their job and aren't allowed to just go there and grandstand um, and do nothing. Yeah, because, you know, I started thinking back when you were talking about that, you know, uh, when we had, um, you know, uh, Senator Kennedy in there and we had, um, you know, uh, John McCain. You know, you may not agree with everything they said, you know, depending on your political view, Mm -hmm. but you knew that they loved this country and they put it first. And they had decency, they had honor, and they brought that to their office and their responsibilities. So, wow. you know, uh, and, you know, uh, I still remember when John McCain said, oh, um, you know, that lady said, oh, he's an Arab. And she said, he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not go there. You know, <laughs> he is a good man. He's a citizen. You know, so that is the kind of leadership we need. And, you know, I, I used to run the Illinois Department of Public Health from 2007 to 11. And one of the things that happened uh, right before me was, a part, uh, you know, about three predecess- you know, predecessors before me. Um, th- there was one person who actually went on vacation uh, during, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of these outbreaks. And uh, 
he lost his job. <laughs> he went on vacation. So when H1N1 came out, I was staying where I was every day, <laughs> right by the phone, and I worked with yeah. it, right? So I already had that dedication because of the military training. But, um, you know, uh, when we have legislators, I, you know, I couldn't go to, uh, you know, to um, – St. Kitts or, you know, St. Croix or Cancun, <laughs> uh, so, you know, but, right. you know, that's an abandonment of your duties. And, and I think that we have to stay with the people where the first and primary duty of the government is to protect the people that if, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't do that, there's nothing else that it can do. And so I really agree with you that uh, it's really incumbent upon our leadership uh, that we uh, actually elect to put in office to get things done. We don't get to, to have them, you know, a grandstand on television, on, you know, on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. Or, that's not what you're there for. You're there to get right. some jobs done. And uh, there was one guy, uh, actually, uh, I think Bill Maher had put him on, but he was actually behind a lot of the health care legislation and that kind of thing. Great architect. I mean, this guy was spending every day at the desk, didn't want to do interviews. Then He said, I don't have time for that. And he was really doing a lot of great work. And uh, so he actually gave him an award, you know, one of these, uh, you know, fictitious awards. But he said, this is something that we should be doing. But we need to have more dedicated like people like that run for office. And we need to actually right. do maybe, a, you know, psychological testing before they get in office to find out <laughs> what they're really thinking and how they're thinking. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, we cannot go through this again. We cannot allow this to. Can't afford you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, you know, I was happy that I was there because it, again, you were in Iraq. So you get the difference of being in a combat zone and seeing the combat zone on television, right? It's two different pictures. Both pictures are true, right? But the picture on the ground is totally different than the picture on the television screen. And what I saw on the ground, the media didn't show, and it wasn't purposeful not show. It just is what it is. It wasn't just like, you know, whoever someone would think is your stereotypical white racist person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a literal, like a family reunion. It, it, it was like, it, when I got to Union Station, um, it was packed. Mm-hmm. It, to the, I mean, people were sitting on the floors, mm-hmm. um, up against every inch of wall space. Um, and these were all, you know, quote, unquote, Trump people. Well, no quote about it. They're all, these are all Trump people. Mm-hmm. Um, the only regular people I saw were a handful of, you know, employees, um, like it, it two Asian tourists, a couple of police officers, and a homeless guy cussing everybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it literally was like a, a, a family reunion. You had young couples pushing baby strollers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had families who had, like, kids I was at the strollers of babies, but like toddlers, um, you know, early elementary school kids, you could tell they didn't really know where they were except the fact that they were with their parents. But then you saw older kids, like 10, 12, 13, who knew why they were there and were happy that they were there. You had aunties, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, right? Like mm-hmm. it was a family affair. Yeah. Right, just like how the you know you take you know the 180, the uh, A. Philip Randolph and the March on Washington. 
mm-hmm. where, you know, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, the kids all went to go hear everyone speak at the Lincoln Memorial. It was just like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was families got on the bus, got on the airplane, got in their cars and came down here to riot. Yeah. you. When you said that, it made me have a flashback to those pictures of, you know, Ku Klux Klansmen marching against Martin Luther King. I was just going to say that. Yeah, and the kids are there. It's intergenerational then. You know, it passes from generation to generation when you do that. Yeah, and I challenge challenge everyone in the media, too, primarily because they want to report on this. I challenge them when they say that um, there's a difference between the people who – actually went into the Capitol or attempted to, and those who were just on the periphery watching. I challenge that because most lynchings were not done um, as a private affair, right? right? Most lynchings were done um, in a celebratory manner. Mm-hmm. And parents brought their little kids out to watch the lynching, yeah. right? And so maybe they didn't actually pull the black man out of his house or out the jail cell and string them up and burn them and cut off um, his, his genitalia, but they watched it yes. and enjoyed it. And yes. so they were just as guilty as the people who actually committed the, the act. And so I say to, mm-hmm. to the people who, who were just there, they knew what was happening, because if they would have been successful, those same people would have been, would have been the ones cheering and planning the barbecue. Yeah, that's what I've heard. The word uh, picnic actually originated <laughs> from those uh, yeah. those lynchings. And, you know, so, you know, I want you to give your website address and how and telephone how people can get in contact with this group. I think uh, what you're doing with Veterans United is fantastic. Um, so give that. And I'm going to ask you again. So we have a little bit more time to go. But I just want you to say it a couple of times so people know. Yes, sir. So I just stuck it in the chat and it's just com. That's Okay. Tango Echo, Romeo Romeo, Oscar November, Sierra India, Mike Sierra dot com. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And, and 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 people need to get involved with the movement you're doing right now. I think this is uh, it's absolutely necessary for people to see this. And and I saw the purple and gold behind you. I think that's a paddle. It might be like a Q thing or something. <laughs> it is no mix, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I will talk to you later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but th- this is something that, you know, historically uh, what you're saying is that we have been a part of this country from the beginning, from Christmas Attics forward. And so we yes, have sir. about two minutes to go. I want those two minutes to go to you. And I want you to encapsulate what you think, we, you know, how you feel about this, what we should be doing as a nation. How should we be acting going forward? I think everyone needs to start being coming a part of their community, however that's defined. Like we're, we're now at a, at a point where you're a person, an adult life can't be going to work and coming home or going to work, going to the happy hour and coming home. Everyone needs to start becoming active in their community in some way, whether it's a civic association, whether it's the PTA, you know, whether it's the NAACP, whether it's um, whatever it is, the Rotary, Kiwanis, fraternity, sorority, something. Mm-hmm. Because once you start getting engaged in, in civic activism, you feel uh, like you have more stake with the state of society than if you just sit at home being being a spectator. Yeah. And because once you start becoming a part of society, 
then you actually start seeing how society functions. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to become a part of the solution to whatever problems you see instead of someone complaining about problems all the time. Right, right. So that's a absolutely a great way to end because, uh, you know, I want everyone to go to www.tyronesims.com. And for those non-military people, www.terronsims.com. So great to have you on. We will have you back at some point. Uh, but uh, great work you're doing, and we uh, really enjoy having you as a part. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.